For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We will be talking basketball. Welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Today is an entirely basketball-dominated show. Uh, we have two Badger basketball games, and then we have three three Bucks games. I almost said four. Three Bucks games to talk about. Mm-hmm. So nothing but basketball today. So welcome back, Mike. We have two Badger basketball games. We're going to start with the Marquette game and the Michigan State game. But first, I just want to say, any pressure for Saturday's game rests on Arizona. Yeah. At this point, the Wisconsin Badgers are playing with house money. I agree. We talked about it coming into the season that this was going to be the toughest three-game stretch that they played. They have already won two out of three. This, yeah. this three-game stretch is already successful. Yep. So if the Badgers lose to Arizona, even if they get destroyed by Arizona, I don't want to see all the – I don't want to revert back to all the shit that was happening when the Badgers started wanting to or for the last four years. I was going to say, we can go back a little farther if you want, bro. <laughs> and last time I checked, Wisconsin's got one hell of a track record against Arizona. <laughs> just to, yeah, just to throw that out there. <laughs> and I don't see us getting our butts kicked, so to speak, on Saturday, by the way. But uh, we'll get to that. All right. Let's start with Marquette. Um, Mike, what were the two things that stood out to you from the Marquette game on Saturday? There were so many things that we could talk about. Like, there were so many things that stood out in this game, actually. It, it was insane. Like, we we were going back and forth in the end the chat like we we listed off so many things but this has been kind of a theme with this team so far this year and the first thing that stood out to me was second chance points um you know i want you you it was a uh, excuse me 18 to 2 over marquette 18 for second chance points which is freaking insane um this just goes to show how you know scrappy i think we are first off as a team um, and we keep one of us seems like we keep talking about like this sort of thing week by week, whether it's rebounding or second chance points. Uh, so I think that's yep. part of the identity because we're not the best shooting team. We know we know that. So yep. a lot of these guys are de- are definitely aware of that and they're ready to cra- crash and, you know, get scrappy and do whatever we can to, you know, get those second chance opportunities, which I do think is going to is going to pay off big time, especially when we get into Big Ten play. Because mm-hmm. the more second chance opportunities you get against, you know, Big Ten defenses that are just super, you know, aggressive, and, and it's on their own, like every team, 
um, you know, that's going to, you know, pay off in the future. So um, second chance points were terrific this past past uh, weekend against Marquette. I will say number two, um, defending Tyler Kolick is what I wanted to uh, bring to the table because, um, you know, I told you guys in the chat uh, before the game, I wish I would have posted this in our preview, but, you know, we played Tyler Kolick for three years now, right? And last year he was a big, big East player of the year. Um, He was MVP of the big East tournament and he was preseason first team all American this year. So just to put that into perspective uh, for our viewers here. um, So the first time we played him, um, six points, eight assists, five turnovers. Last year, four points, eight assists, two turnovers. This year, 11 points, four of 11 shooting, six rebounds, three assists, one turnover, and one absolute garbage and one that he got um, over Tyler Wall in that game. Uh, that The one that he chucked against like the backboard and somehow that, that went in, and I think Tyler got called for that blocking call. So I thought that was absolute crap. And most of those points that he got were later on in the second half when we had the game won. So I just want to credit our defense because they've been playing fantastic as of late as well. Uh, to hold a guy like that and check who's got all those accolades already, uh, you know, and projected Big East player again, uh, Big East player of the year again, uh, with being a first team All American projection, I think that says something. And that credits our our defense and our yeah, um, Mar- defensive plan against Marquette for sure. So I'm gonna jump in next because I also have a defensive matchup. One of my takeaways was the defense of the Badgers against Oso Igadaro. Mm-hmm. Oso Igadaro is a is a great athlete. He averages 13 points and 6.6 rebounds on the season. Uh, Wisconsin held him to five points and five rebounds. Wow. Uh, he only took five shots in the entire game. Big Steve. Uh, Stephen Crowell, Tyler Wall, uh, Nolan Winter, and Carter Gilmore, in addition, I want to give those guys some credit too, all did a great job of keeping him off the rebounds and not letting him get any rhythm on offense. Because in addition to the five shots that he took, his five points, five rebounds, he also had four turnovers. Yeah. So Badgers defense did a really good job on what I would say is probably Marquette's two best players. Um, Joplin is pretty good, but he was really cold shooting against the Badgers. Yeah, he was. It took him a little while to get going. Honestly, it took – I think Cam Jones is their best player, in my opinion. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Both of the Joneses are good. He, Cam um, Jones. Jones is a dog, man. That guy, I would love to have him on my team. He can shoot lights out. Uh, every he, time he puts he up the ball. He's one of those guys that, that when he shoots the three ball, I think it's going in every time. Every time. <laughs> yeah, he is a pretty jumper. Um, I think you could find a way in an NBA roster, to be honest with you. He seems like that kind of talent. Um, he could be a fringe roster guy, in my opinion. Sure. Um, Marquette's got a really talented team. Um, as much shit as I want to talk, uh, as much as I want to – Say I hate them. I, I respect them. They're a good team. And I know they're from Wisconsin. And people might think that I'm weird for that. You know, and there's a lot of people that have grown up uh, fans of both. And Tyler's one of those people. I just – and my, my dad, like, in my house, when I watch sports with my dad, my dad likes both too. I just view it as, like, Michigan versus Michigan State, right? You don't cheer for both. You pick one. I bet there's people that do. Maybe there are. But to me, that's weird. Um, 
because like we're going after the same recruits in the same state. So like, so the thing, the thing that makes it easier to separate Wisconsin and Marquette as a fan of both is that they play in different conferences. If they were in the same conference, then it would be a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've heard that before. And I I understand that. I do want to say, I was thinking about this on Saturday. I was like, if Marquette was at a college football team, those jerseys would be disgusting. They would be so filthy, dude. That color combo. I mean, obviously, we see the Brewers. Imagine if their football team was. That's what. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Yeah, sponsored by Jordan, dude. Those jerseys would be sick. I might actually like Marquette if they had a football team, Um, but for me, they do not. Um, So I'm just not a fan. But the thing that stuck out to me was, first of all, this is one of my topics. But the Badgers just jumped jumped on them immediately. And they they grabbed this game by the nuts. That's my other takeaway. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, I will say the rebounding again, the offensive rebounding. I don't know what happened from last year to this year, but offensive rebounding is just freaking crazy, dude. Uh, definitely a big tool for us going forward, and it's gonna have to remain that way. Um, now I want to talk about Max Klesman. I don't know what who this guy is, where he came from. Obviously, he came from Nina. I'm not being serious. I know where he came from. But he just shows up out of nowhere. Like, he was playing so bad. And all of a sudden, he just decides to drop five five three-pointers, shoot 50% from the field. He just – 21 in the first half. I mean, was anybody in the world expecting that? Not in a half. I did not have that on my bingo card. Did not have Dude, that on the bingo were- card. If you were going to pick somebody to go off, right, in the starting lineup, you're probably going to pick, like, Chucky or Tyler Wall, right? Like, maybe A.J. Store, but Store. I got I got, more, I got more on A.J. Store in the next game, so keep that in mind. Oh, Tyler, I already oh, gave you a little sneak oh, we peek. We know this. But uh, Klezman, man, he was absolutely carrying the Badgers' offense in the first half. Um, made all the three-pointers for the Badgers as a team, which is insane. Um, the rebounding, again, was just phenomenal. And the second chance points, like Mike pointed out, is something that's going to be key going forward, especially on Saturday against number one, Arizona. So you guys touched on the the second chance points. Marquette only had two. Um, They did get 14 points off turnovers, which is a little uncharacteristic for Wisconsin. they got to bring that number down. Uh, Badgers only missed four free throws, despite taking 28 free throws. They only missed four. Yeah, that's crazy. When we get to the Michigan State game, yeah. I'm gonna have a stat on that. Uh, but 20 fundamental failure points for the Badgers. That's that's low. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing was Jake kind of tiptoed around it already is the the Badgers dictating the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. And it started in the first half. The Badgers absolutely controlled the pace of the game. Uh, they controlled the the feel, the flow. Uh, the Badgers had three steals in the first half. The rebounding in the first half, 19 for Wisconsin, 7 for Marquette. Yeah. Um, also, Iguodaro, who I brought up was quiet, had one point in the first half. And it was on, like, the third possession. He missed, like, a one and one. Or he missed he missed one and made one. Yeah. Had two free throws. Um, so, first half free throws, Wisconsin, 17 for 19. Marquette, 9 of 12. Yep. Anytime you're making more free throws on the other team is shooting, you're in a good spot. So the rebounding numbers, the steals, the free throws, all of that signals that Wisconsin came out and was the more physical team. True. 
Oh man, file landslide. Yeah, <laughs> that was not close. Yeah. So, last thing I want to say before we hop over to Michigan State, this was <laughs> this is going to tie in. Jake, I'll let you go first on the Michigan State game so that you can tie this in. Okay. Underneath Greg Gard, this is the Badgers' eleventh top ten win, their seventh top five win. And only Michigan State has more top five wins in that time. And they have eight. Well, damn. So that record could be tied on Saturday. Well, damn. I like it. Now, Jake is feeling some type of way about Greg Gard after the Michigan State game. So just tie it right in. Can Can we stop disrespecting him, please? Can we stop? The man can coach basketball. I don't know what you guys are expecting with, you know, and I'm not trying to, like, make excuses, but, like, he doesn't get a bunch of top fives. Constant final fours is what it seems like people are expecting. And they want to win the national championship every other season. It's like I I get having standards is a good thing, but we also have to, like, keep them realistic. You know, like, there are hundreds of other college basketball teams that are also trying to win the title. Yeah. So it's not like guard is just like trying to not win the fucking thing. So, uh, just so frustrating. Um, with going through like all the sports, you know, Tyler and I cover all the sports and like seeing all the negative comments and like seeing how people just love being miserable for some reason. It just it never makes sense to me. It'll yep. and I don't think it ever will. I really don't think it ever will. And people continue to choose it. Is the yeah, thing. It, that's it's like they want it to happen. Yeah, yeah, so they because they would it. rather say "I told you so" than adopt a positive mindset. It, it really feels like that. Never but understand it. To go go back to Greg Gard, uh, he's three and all versus Shocker Smart. I mean, we have three straight wins versus Marquette. Um, I went through all the scores. The average score of Wisconsin versus Marquette since Shocker Smart got there is eighty-one to seventy-two. Badgers average eighty versus somebody, which is freaking crazy to think about. Um, what do you guys say? I was going to say, and, and we have to take this into account, what our, our average scoring probably throughout the entire season is substantially lower than that. So the yeah. fact that we're averaging over 80 against Marquette, like, that's wild. they got some defensive problems. I don't know. But, yeah, keep going. You sound great. That's, yeah, that's wild. Thank you. I, I like to tell myself every morning that I have a beautiful voice. Um, <laughs> but Greg Gard versus Tom Izzo. Now, listen, I'm not at all – saying that you need to respect Greg Gard over Tom Izzo. I'm not saying that. No, I wouldn't. But either. maybe maybe giving him, like, a certain level of respect that he deserves is necessary. You know, Tom Izzo is an all-time great in college basketball. Greg Gard could be an all-time great Wisconsin basketball coach when you really break some stuff down. Can I say it a different way? Well, you got I would say if you're looking at the Big Ten currently, that Tom Izzo is the best coach in the Big Ten. And that Greg Gard is probably top three. Who else would you put in there? Oh, don't let the haters hear that one, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> We've been telling people to, to get bent for three years now. So. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, versus Tom Izzo, uh, Greg Gard has a win-loss record of 7-11. Seven, seven and 11. So, I mean, I know that doesn't sound great, but you got to understand the – the recruits that Michigan State's getting. I mean, their their teams are loaded every single year. They're ranked in the top five, religiously top ten every preseason. Um, but actually, the average score of these games over these 18 games is 65 for Wisconsin and 69 for Michigan State. Yeah. 
So, I mean, we're not getting killed. Gotta pump up those numbers. Yeah. <laughs> we're being competitive with uh, a perennial yeah. power in college basketball. Um, we've won three straight versus them in Michigan State. Uh, never forget Johnny Davis. <laughs> never forget Johnny Davis. <laughs> that that three straight, the first, last time the Badgers won three straight in East Lansing, 1961, 62, and 63. So all of our parents were not born. So just keep yeah. that into perspective. That's 60 years ago. That's a long time ago. That's Man. <laughs> I, I'd be willing to bet that 7-11 record that Greg Gard has versus Izzo is the top half of the Big Ten versus any other coach Easily. or any other program, I should say. Just throw that out there. Easily. I'll see what Easily. I can I'll see what I can scrape up here. Um so then my next topic I'm gonna talk about is AJ Store. And I have come to the conclusion after going over his splits, this guy just likes making away fans miserable. i that's just what I came to the conclusion. Mike, when you hear some of these numbers, you might shit your pants. So I hope you have an I'm ready to shit my here. pants. <laughs> At home, he averages 13.2 points, two rebounds, 0.8 assists. At on the road, he averages 15.5, 4.5 rebounds, and one assist. This is where it gets really stupid. <laughs> At home, he shoots 38% from the field and 17% from the three-point line. Yeah. On the road, he shoots 49% from the field and 41% from three. How the He's hell? A lot you- of this. How do you go from 17 to 41, dude? You literally just have to have the mindset of, I'm just going to piss off all these people. Yep. <laughs> so I love it because, personally, I would love to be a villain on the road. I would love for away fans to hate me. That would fuel me if I was an athlete. That would be my favorite thing. Like, playing at home is cool and all. Like, don't get me wrong. But, like, yeah. knowing that people paid hundreds of dollars to come watch their team win and then you just poop on them. Oh, fantastic, dude. That's the best feeling in the world. I can't imagine like hitting a game-winning home run on the road or something like that. Oh my gosh, dude. Oh, yep. imagine how how good that feels, dude. You got you can hear like 11 people cheering. <laughs> right. Like that has to feel so good. And now after seeing that, I understand Johnny Davis and why he did what he did at Michigan State. Just makes it feel so much better, you know? Yep. So, AJ Store Keep up the road, the road warrior stuff, because we're gonna need it, man. Yeah, the I'll say this too with Michigan State, their fans are so close to the floor, so like they feel like yes. they're involved in the entire game, man. So then, when when you are done and you beat them, it's like you were here, you were part of the game. Bye. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so I have Michigan State's record since two thousand for for the Tom Izzo thing the 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 records versus the big 10 this is coming into this season so it's not accurate as of the, the few games that have happened so far uh mike what did you say you thought the badgers were top half i just did i just did from you know that 7 and 11 record with greg guards like tenure or whatever at wisconsin okay. i thought that would match up to the top half of the big 10 for sure versus every so, other program so, so going back nine years over, worth basically yeah. so going back to the year 2000, where do you think the Badgers would be? We Bo beat Izzo a few times. Dick Ben, uh, did Bennett get him a couple? I am going to go probably fourth or fifth in the Big Ten. Let's go fifth. I'm going to go third. I'm going to go third. Okay. I'm going to go reverse order. So Northwestern has the worst record 
So Not Tom good. Izzo's record against Northwestern since 2000 is 33 and six. God damn. <laughs> damn. <laughs> against Nebraska, it's 15 and three. Oof. Against Penn State, 31 and seven. Against Minnesota, 32 and eight. Rutgers, 11 and three. Iowa, 29 and 13. Maryland, 29 and 16. Or no, sorry, that's uh, Michigan is 29 and 16. Maryland is 14 and 8. Indiana, 26 and 16. Ohio State, 30 and 19. With the third best record against Michigan State since 20, the year 2000. The Badgers, 29 and 20. Against oh, Purdue, nice. 23 and 19. And Illinois, 20 and 18. He's literally over 500 against every team in the Big Ten since the year 2000. Bro, he's yeah. a monster. They they get monster he's a dude, coach, man. Yeah, they get they get monster teams, man. Honestly. <clears throat> um. Okay. So, Mike, what stood out to you from the Badgers and Michigan State? So these two things kind of start um tying together. My first uh, first one is going to be we had a fast start. You know, we talked about like the football team, how much like they've had so many slow starts. We got off to a fast start with the basketball team, so that that was great. And Marquette game, they did they did somewhat of the same thing, but. Um, you know, we, we get, get our guy, Big Steve, who coming into the game, he's only taken five threes all season coming into this game, right? What does he do to start off this game? He absolutely cans two threes right, right in a row. Um, Michigan State, I mean, Izzo talked about it after the game. They were going to let Crowell shoot, and they even were going to let Store for a shoot from the, from the outside. And they, and well, they paid the price on that. Oops. But, um, yeah, you know, the fast start, uh, <laughs> Big Steve with the two threes. Chucky hits one right away too, and then by the by the time we get to the first media timeout, Store gets those two free throws, and we're up eleven to two, six uh, four minutes into the game. So that was perfect. That's what we're going to need on the road as well, um, if, we, if we can help it. <laughs> but um, no, that that was just great to see. Um, you know, it's something that we don't see too often, I guess, with our team, um, with exception of that Mar- Marquette game. So. Uh, My dad said that, their that fans got loud, but you could hear a pin drop shortly after that. That I, I should have said that right away. How quiet <laughs> was the Breslin Center at the end of this game? It was it was so weird. Like love to uh, hear it. I, could, I mean, playing at Tom Izzo's house, and yeah, like you said, with how dead quiet it was, it was insane. But. Um, you know, my second takeaway this time kind of st- um, ties into Big Steve again. Um, he was four of four from the three point line, which was absolutely nuts. I uh, hit some clutch. His two clutch threes in the second half came when Michigan State was going on that run when they were cutting it closer and closer to about making a five to seven point game, and he came down, hit another big one, kind of got us out of a rut a little bit. Um, but eighteen points, six boards, five assists. Great, great stat line. And I think another thing that does stand out about his game is, um, you know, the last couple of games, he's starting to get more aggressive down below. AKA, he tried to dunk the ball like over a couple dudes last night. Did he get so stuff? Lit. Yes. But the, the fact that he's doing it like the intent, I think one of these times he's going to, you know, posterize a guy. It's, it, I think it's only a matter of time. I think it really goes back to, you know, when guard got on his case and Tyler Wall's case after that Providence game, I think you're seeing like those two play a completely different, you know, have a completely different mindset going forward. Mm-hmm. It kind of like, it was kind of like a flip of the switch, so to speak, yeah. I guess you could say. 
Um, that so that definitely stu- stood out to me. I th- he's getting more aggressive, like I said, and uh, no, he's playing he's playing good ball. I mean, each one of these last couple of weeks between myself and Jake Tyler, uh, we brought up Big Steve in one of our takeaways now. So um, yeah. I think that definitely says something too. And he's playing he's one of the most consistent um, so far to the year as well. I would say so. Yeah, yeah. What a night for him. We are two weeks removed from the rant that I went on about about Stephen Crowell presenting himself as a threat on the three-point line. Since then, he's five for five from the three-point line. That's he, good. That, that was my big thing, was like, he's capable of shooting the three, and obviously he's capable of making the three. Act like you want to shoot the three because it's going to make a bigger defender get farther away from the basket, which benefits literally all of your teammates. And it makes it easier to get offensive rebounds, which obviously the Badgers have been very good at over the last handful of games. Now, this isn't one of my takeaways, but I, th- I think it should be brought up. It was on the win graphic um, after yesterday's game about John Blackwell. Every time Michigan State had a run going and the crowd was getting into the momentum, John Blackwell got to the free throw line. That That is – it can't be understated, the importance of something like that, because it, it – puts a stop in the the crowd's energy because mm-hmm. now they have to sit there for you know three or four minutes um you know while everybody gets to the free throw line and then he shoots the first one and then everybody gets set back up and then he shoots the second one and then it feels like it's been 10 minutes since the last time you made a bucket and, and the momentum is gone mm-hmm. so the badgers getting to the free throw line and john blackwell specifically because he did it three times and he made all six of his free throws that's a momentum stopper. It's not a momentum killer because Michigan State was still scoring and they were they were trading some haymakers, but John Blackwell getting to the free throw line to halt their momentum and take some of the energy out of the crowd is immensely important. Ooh, I got one more quick thing to piggyback off that actually. So when you're talking about throwing haymakers, right? So when Michigan State cut it to three, three points, it was 51-48. Then Michigan State goes on a not, like a dry spell. They, they don't score for like three possessions. The Badgers yep. scored next next the next eight of their ten points off offensive rebounds in that stretch. So, and John Blackwell was a part of that. So, I'm glad you brought that up. So, that just led to him getting the free throw line and just once again creating more second chance opportunities. I know that was could have been one of my takeaways, but I just wanted to throw that out there because you mentioned John Blackwell. Yeah. So, I thought that was a very impressive stat, especially with you know you know taking the punches so to speak and just responding by creating those second chance opportunities. Tyler Wall played a big part in that too. And Tyler Wall is one of my first takeaways. So he was in foul trouble in the first half. So he only finished with eight points. But in the second half, he was kind of doing it all. Like he was, he had the, (laughs) an uncharacteristic step back mid-range jumper that he hit. Like as the shot clock was going off, that was uncharacteristic, but it was, it looked like it's something he's been doing since he was in elementary school. It just looked smooth. He got it up. It didn't like rattle in and bounce off the rim three times and then fall. It was just pure. And that was in the midst of Michigan State hitting 69 three-pointers in a row, which I'll get to. But to do that in between there and then getting several offensive rebounds leading to those second chance points that Mike just brought up. And not only that, John Blackwell and Tyler Wall worked a lot of two-man game in the second half. 
Yeah. Like John Blackwell would enter the ball into the post and then cut towards the basket. Tyler Wall got some assists, and then John Blackwell got fouled on it a couple of times um, to get to the free throw line. And I still hold, I still hold hard on this. If you pass to a guy that gets fouled and he makes both of his free throws, you should get an assist for that. I mean, I'm I'm not against that. I stand yeah. firm on that. Yeah. So can I can I add something real quick? Go ahead. So the Badgers have not trailed in a game since the 352 mark against SMU. They took hmm. the lead in that game in the second half at 352, and they have now gone three straight games not trailing. Hmm. They have been That's they tied impressive. once with SMU in that game. SMU came back to tie at one time. Ever since then, we have not seen the Wisconsin Badgers trail in a basketball game. Damn. That's, That's a, a long fucking time. <laughs> yeah. What is that? Like, what, 60? It's almost 64 minutes? That's a long time. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Hang on. I could, I could find out. When, when did they tie? When did they tie? Hang on. They tied it. Oh, that's more than that. They tied it at the 248 mark. Eight. And then ever since we took the lead back. No, at that's like 144 minutes. I don't know why I was thinking 20 minutes for a game. That's 20 minute halves. I'm dumb. 40, that's 40 minutes of game eight. times three is 120 plus the 354. So 124 minutes-ish. Yeah. Of, of just straight up just leading by two points wow. or anything. Not even tied, just leading. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty damn good. <laughs> Weathering the storm, man. Weathering the storm. We're looking at kind we're of doing good. We're getting good at that. Yeah. And then I think with both of these games, you talk about Marquette and Michigan State um, closing the gaps in these games. Marquette got down to what? One. And Michigan oh, yeah. State got within three. Yep. yep. Neither of them got over the hump. Nope. Love to see it. Love Second thing that stood out to me from this game, actually, lastly, Tyler Wall, very end of the game, had a block and a snag. That was dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blocked yeah. the dude and then snagged the rebound right away. That was awesome. Second thing that stood out to me, threes and free throws. So the Badgers, the Badgers were 10 of 23 on threes. That's 43.5%. Michigan State, despite making four threes in a row, in the second half, finished 6 of 19, 31.6%. So outside those four in a row that they made, they were 2 for 15. That's horrendous. That's yes. like the Trailblazers in the second half when the Bucks came back down 26. Right? That's like that level of bad. Yeah. Or Bears football bad, whatever you want. It's going to be a yikes for there me, dog. <laughs> yikes for me, dog. And then free throws. Badgers. 14 of 14, Michigan State, 5 of 7. So I will say this is the second game in a row where the Badgers were playing what I would say is a more physically gifted team and out-physicaled them. That's fair. I'm with that. Because, I mean, we talked about it, like Jake, you mentioned it. Michigan State came in as a top-five team. I think they have a more physically gifted team. They have more athletes. I don't think that's outside. That's I don't think that's out of pocket. Um. Reggie said, what's up, boys? Sorry, that Packers game was the best I've ever been to. That's awesome, Reggie, and I hope you tune in on Friday night. Um, so the 14 of 14 to double up makes on the amount of free throws that Michigan State took. And then, obviously, Mike brought up rebounding, especially in the, in the Marquette game. I mean, you just look at these things, and Wisconsin is being the more physical team. So I think that lends credence to what you guys are saying about – Stephen Crowell, Tyler Wall, taking those things to heart that Greg that Greg Gard said 
while guys working harder than them, I think that, like I said, I think that lends credence to the, that they've taken those things to heart and are working harder and it shows in their stat lines. Obviously yeah. Tyler wall, like I said, was in full trouble in the first half and only finished with the eight points, but his fingerprints were all over the second half. Mm-hmm. We're building now, the identity. Right. And one of the identity things about Wisconsin was always free throws, but it was something that kind of struggled with last year. This is now the fifth straight game that the Badgers have been over 80% on free throws. Yep. Love to see it, dude. Love, Love to see it. it. That puts a smile on my face, man. That yeah. is, that's the Badgers that I know. That to is. Put a big old goose on the zero missed free throws on the fundamental failures, which is awesome. Still gave up 14 points off turnovers, though. Yes. Great athletes. That's fair. Got to gotta reel that in a little bit, mm. um, whether it's hustling back on defense or just locking in. Um, and then eight second chance points. That's that's livable. I'm, I'm okay with that. You're not going to shut everybody down to two second chance points every game. Right. Under 10 is, is good. Mm-hmm. So 22 fundamental failure points. That's two very, very strong fundamental games against two strong opponents. Yeah. It just goes to show, man, like you could say this about both Wisconsin football and Wisconsin basketball, right? Like we want the teams to evolve, right? That's why we were so excited, you know, mm-hmm. for the fickle area to get started and all that stuff. There are still values in the way that we used to play that we want to keep. And for right. Wisconsin basketball, obviously you want to compete on the defensive end of the floor and you want to make your free throws. Those are two things that you always want to be able to do. Not now, turn the ball the pace over. A little more on offense. That's a great thing for us, man. If we're making our free throws, you're going to get more attempts. Look at the Marquette game. We shot 28 fucking free throws. And they made 24 of them. Made 24 of those. I don't know. I literally would have to research. I do not know the last time they shot that many free throws in a game. That's incredible. I bet bet it's been a hot minute. I bet it's been a hot minute as well. So keeping those principles of defense and we're going to make our free throws and we're going to use our back cuts and, you know, the swing offense. That's great. I love that. Now adapting. This is this could be a shout out for Greg Gard as well. Adapting and pushing the pace a little bit more. You got a dangerous team now. You got AJ Store getting more comfortable with this team. You know, everybody keeps talking about ninety two percent of the scoring coming back. That's great. That's fantastic. A lot of experience. Guys have been in every single situation. They're, you're not going to shock them with a defense, right? I will say they have to get a little bit better against the press because when Marquette ran it, yeah. we kind of they kind of forced a lot of turnovers. I'll say. Almost um, had a turnover last night too, but yeah, yeah. So they get that's probably one area where they can probably improve. But other than that, man, I got no complaints. Uh, with AJ Store getting more comfortable with that ninety-two percent, you know, returning, this, this is a top fifteen team, in my opinion. Let me throw this out there too. In addition to being able to push the pace, another aspect of that that really kind of um, gives more backbone to your point. Yeah, Badgers have more depth than they've had. Hundred percent. The Badgers. I mean, they've talked about it on some of the on some of the broadcasts. The Badgers can go like ten or eleven deep if they want to. That's ridiculous. I would comfortably go probably nine. Nine. Yep. I mean, if yeah. you're talking Blackwell, Connor, Nolan Winter, and Carter Gilmore off the bench, uh, you could probably put Kamari McGee in there. Yeah. Yeah. So depending what the matchup is. Yeah, I would say. You could probably comfortably go ten deep, and then you can throw Isaac Lindsay and Marcus Ilver in there if you need it. I'm sorry, you just made me think of this because I was thinking I was looking at the offensive rebounds from last night. Right, we had 11 of them. 
how pissed off do you think Tom Izzo was when Kamara McGee, the smallest guy on the floor, got that old rebound, dude? Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, that... He had to be so pissed, dude. You I know, bet he was screaming at him, too, because John Blackwell got a couple. I know. I bet he Blackwell. was probably screaming at him, too. Like, you're letting freshmen get offensive rebounds on you? I bet he did. Yeah. He should have heard his press conference after the game, man. It, 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 a lot of it had to do with that getting out physical, out rebounded, oh, yeah. and um, yeah, we, we yeah, it, their tail last night, man. That was nice to oh, see. Yeah. Nice to see. Yeah, Michigan State's kind of reeling a little bit. Like we talked about it, they started top five this season, and we looked at it. And we're like, "Fuck, we got to play number five, then we got to play number three, then we got to play number two. Like now, number uno. Yeah, yeah. Then they went from three to unranked and one so it's and, and michigan state's still a good team we're not saying that they're not yeah they'll they'll finish um, the season ranked yeah and they'll they'll make some noise in the tournament yep all right that said we only have one badger game between now and next wednesday so mike what are your two goals for the badgers on saturday against arizona you know we're we we've learned to take a few punches now, um, especially these last two games and we can, we know we can do that. Right. So for me, this really comes down to control what you control the controllables, right? Do yeah. not shit our, our shit, the betters or shoot ourselves in the foot. I'm talking about keep doing what we're doing from the free throw line. For example, mm-hmm. crash the glass hard, like what we've been doing stuff that, you know, that you can do to like, for sure, without shooting yourselves in the foot, stuff that you can control, right? That's going to create more opportunities. Again, if we crash the glass hard, we're outfit. We're, we're beating the shit out of other teams from a physical standpoint. That's something I think we can somewhat control too. So if we stick to like this brand that we have been establishing these last two games specifically, everything's going to fall into place. Then I think, I believe no matter who we're playing, I know, you know, Arizona, they got Caleb Love, stud from North Carolina. Kylan Boswell, San Diego State transfer. He was in the Final Four game last year. They got they got some dudes. But I still think that with the it. senior, like the leader, like the, the guys that we have on our team, they've been around the block before. And when you combine that with, you know, whether it's Store and Blackwell, kind of like what we just talked about, just the maturity, just keep the controllables, like, going on the road like this and play loose. God damn, play loose. You're yep. on the road at number one. You got nothing to lose. National playing television, money. playing with house money, like you said, at Arizona. Wisconsin could get another win at Arizona, break their hearts once again. That It sounds like it could happen, I think. The way that we've been playing lately, we're not shooting ourselves in the foot as of late. And if we keep doing that, we're at least going to be we're going to put ourselves in a position to win this game. I'm not going to say we might not win, but I do know we're not going to get blown out. I hope you're talking about it. There's no the Badgers are 38 for 42 on free throws in their last two games, Dang. which is a recipe for wins, which yeah. like, these are the old, that's like the old Wisconsin Badger teams, even though they play like shit, if you can make your free throws and you know, our physical not people, you're going to be in that. You're going to be in that game and not turn the ball over. Yep. Absolutely. So Jake, what are your two goals? Oh, sorry. All right. So this is something that I, I tell all my kids when I'm coaching them, you cannot control what happens in the game, but you can control your effort. So what I try to, what I try to make every kid focus on is I want you to focus on yourself. If you could tell me at the end of the game that you gave me every single thing that you had, I can never be upset at you. 
every man in that room needs to look each other in their in, in the eyes. I want you to look at all your brothers. You know, this would be my coach speak. I want you to look at all your brothers, and I want you to promise that you're going to give 100%. You're going to dive on the floor for that ball. You're going to box out. You're going to grab that offensive rebound. You're going to make your free throws. Those are the things that you have to do. That's my number one. Number two, go shock the fucking world, dude. Nobody expected us to beat Marquette like we did. And then nobody expected us to back that up by going to Michigan State and spanking that ass. Let's go into Tucson and show these motherfuckers who we are. We're the goddamn Wisconsin Badgers. Let's go. If the dude, if the Badger, okay, we we tiptoed around this a little bit in the chat yesterday. If the Badgers beat Arizona by double digits, like they beat Michigan State and Marquette by double digits, the Badgers probably cut their ranking in half. Bro, if they go, Ten. I'm just gonna say it. If they go into Arizona and win by double digits, there's no way in hell they're not top ten, and I firmly believe that. Yes, we definitely will. You be. don't beat number three and number number one within like eight there's, days. Of there's other. a, I don't know, because they already moved up because of Marquette. They already moved into the rankings because of Marquette. Dude, you go at number one. I mean, that was at home. You go at number one with those right. players that Mike talked about. Bro, Double on the digits? back of beating Marquette, they went from let's see the previous ranking. So a little bit the Robert Morris and SMU. And those three games moved them from unranked to twenty three. And Western Illinois, yeah, yeah. Oh, Western Illinois—that's the other one, not Robert Morris. Moved them up to twenty three. So between the next ranking, it's going to be Michigan State and Arizona. Bro, if you win by double digits. Uh, there is no way in hell. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think they go to the I see straight ten. To top ten. I see ten at number I, one. I, I, I think I'm, I'm not stick. saying like number six, but I can see yeah. number ten. Correct. I'm gonna stick with what I said about cutting it in half and cutting twenty three and half and put you at eleven and a half. That's fair. I'm okay with that. If they're eleven or twelve, I'm not gonna be upset. That's but that's where 10, I think more I'm realistically like they'll end up. <laughs> It'll just suck because they're we're not going to be a secret anymore. Like literally, everyone right. else thought no more thought underdog. We were. That's why. why I, that's why. That's why I don't like it. But I mean, yeah, we of course. Why we are we ever win. a secret? We out. We always yeah. have. Success. I know this team. I know this team. Like I said yesterday, there's a reason why I in that primer that I put it as it was because I knew. Yeah, you know, Mike had the highest record is, prediction out of us. Yeah. He did. Andy, we still got a long way to go. We still got a long way to go. So I shouldn't right. get too happy, but. <laughs> but yeah, I see our potential. Don't backtrack now, boy. <laughs> oh hell no! You kidding me? <laughs> Greg Gard and I are, are in that sa- are in the same boat. I don't mean to bring up you know row the boat references, but we're paddling along right now, man. Now we got <laughs> now we're picking up steam. You you can make the we're reference. Good. We took your damn paddle. We kicked him out of the boat, so it's fine with me, man. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Came across a book that he co-wrote at Barnes and Noble the other day, and I almost like audibly laughed out loud. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of a bookstore on a Saturday, and I was like, <laughs> oh, "Wow!" Just to see that he had co-written a book. <laughs> All right. So my two keys are super basic, but they come from they come from a place of performance. So my first goal is pedal to the metal on offense. Yeah. The Badgers, they're so good when they get to the paint. Everything flows when they get to the paint. 
Mm-hmm. That's how they built a big ass lead against Marquette. It's how they lost their lead against Marquette. And it, it controls the entire function of their offense. And so many things can come out of it because of how good of a passer Stephen Crowell is. Still don't think it gets brought up enough that Stephen Crowell is a good passer. That's fair. So getting the ball to Stephen Crowell in the post and then Chucky Hepburn, AJ Store, John Blackwell has shown that he can be really good at it. Obviously, we know what Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell can do when they get the ball in the post and they back down dribble for 34 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but the Patriots have guys that can get into the paint, keep the pedal to the metal on the offensive end. My second one is keep the defense locked in. So keeping it simple with getting pedal to the metal on offense, lock in on defense. The Badgers last night, I was impressed because they gave up four straight three-pointers to a team that was not shooting well, and they didn't get rattled. And I, I credited John Blackwell for, for getting to the free throw line when it happened. They didn't get rattled by it. And they struggled to make some shots for a little while, but they were getting stops from Mich- or from Michigan State as well. Yep. So if they can get some stops against Arizona when their offense isn't working well, they can hang around in this game. And that's where things, like I've said in the past, that Wisconsin's play style, it, it allows them to upset teams easier than just playing the run-and-gun, you know, fast pace, nothing but transition basketball. So that's where I think if if the Badgers have another game where they dictate the pace of play like they did against Marquette, I think that bodes obviously very well for Wisconsin. I agree. Agreed. Yeah. Tim, it's always good on Wednesdays when we got shows going on. A lot of basketball today. All right. Anything else you guys want to say on the Badgers before we uh, fire Mike for the week? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Bring him back next Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> keep on keeping on man we're on one hell of a streak right now uh the boys are, are starting to click i still think we're gonna have a big connor sieging game at some point i'm not gonna say it's gonna be on saturday but uh um you know our depth is crazy uh crazy good guard talked about it even in the post game as well he absolutely loves the depth that we have we can fill in holes you know on the short term if need be i mean without tyler wall in the first half we were able to still hold it together, get out to a 11, 12 point lead at halftime. So that yep. right there, um, you know, the, the depth is there. We just got to, you know, keep doing what we're doing because we're, we're doing all the right things now to win games, whether that's big free throws, three and rebounding. In this gauntlet stretch, that's, that's, uh, that's some big boy W's right there. Off to the races, man. I I'll feel great about going into big 10 play then for sure. Not Does that I'm not already. Does it work for Connor Asijan, like when you're playing Texas Hold'em and you call for your one time? Can we do that with Connor Asijan for Saturday? Can we call Connor Asijan's one time for Saturday? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <sighs> one time, Connor. Wait, should we each we each should get we get, we should each get to pick one game or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Connor, one time. I need you five. I'll let you guys. I'll let you make Saturday. that. All right, that that's yours. Then I get to pick mine at any point in the season. <laughs> if, I mean, yeah. he did make the one three pointer the bench made last night so yeah he only played four minutes, i'm talking so. like i'm talking like four threes in a game or something like that just he's gonna have I, was one. I went for five that's fine five i love it five we'll I'll go take five, five. <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> all right well mike have a good evening we will talk to you next wednesday later, later fellas out wisconsin all right so more basketball because Tis the season. 
to play basketball. So that's where we are at. So, Jake, hit me with your Milwaukee Bucks power pair and underrated performer. So as we get into this, I'm going to say you better say happy birthday to somebody when you give yours. That's all I'm going to tell you. Mm. Um, But I have Damian Lillard this week uh, as we're doing our trade-offs here. Um, Damian Lillard averaged 23.6 points, 4.6 rebounds, 9.6 assists. He shot 55% from the field, 47% from the three-point line. Damn. He added in four steals, two blocks. He was a plus 37 and he had one great quote about Bratz yesterday. Did you hear that in the pregame? I didn't show? actually. Yeah. So Kenny the Jet Smith, because he he had the little earpiece on. He was doing like the interview when they warm up. They yeah. had Damian Lillard doing it yesterday, and he and he said, uh, "How how are you fitting in with the mean streets of Milwaukee, Ernie Johnson's hometown?" And he said, "It's great, great." And then Ernie Johnson asked him, <laughs> "Do you like Bratwurst?" And he said, "Who?" <laughs> And then he said, do you like bratwurst, the food? He said, no, not really. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. I was like, hey, he's not Wisconsin yet. Um, then moving on, we got Chris Middleton. Uh, Chris is starting to amp up those minutes, and he start, he's having moments, more consecutive moments, I'll say. Um, that's what I'm noticing, at least. Um, yeah. 11.6 points, four rebounds, 4.3 assists. He shot 45% from the field. And from the three-point line, um, then my underrated performer, I went with campaign. Uh, campaign is just such an important part to this offense. And when he gets going, this offense just goes from one of the top three to probably the best in the league, in my opinion. When it comes to campaign, it's like one of those things where it's like you're watching the game. You're like, okay, cool. He made a three here. He made a three there. And then you look at it, and it's like he had 18 points. What the fuck? <laughs> right. He, he had one of those games uh, this week. Yep. Um, he averaged 12 points, two rebounds, 1.6 assists, shot 60% from the field and 43% from the three-point line. Nice. Um, he did struggle against the Bulls, but if you add his last two games together, he shot 70% from the field. That is ridiculous. Um, he was a minus 20 against the Bulls, so for him to finish minus eight, it means he was plus 12 the last two games. That is a veteran, and that, that mm-hmm. is good for a backup point guard. Um, so I am very pleased with campaign as our backup point guard. I am not upset with that at all. I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to start with my underrated performer just because we talked about it at mm-hmm. um, Chris Middleton, campaign, and Bobby Portis were three guys who struggled against the Bulls but then had two really good bounce-back games. Mm-hmm. And that's why I went with Bobby Portis for my underrated performer because he was bad against Chicago and then really good the next two games. So over the week, he averaged 10.7 points and eight rebounds, uh, 46.7% from the field, 22% from the three-point line, which is a little rough, about 100% from the free-throw line. But looking at his points and rebounds by game, Mm -hmm. he was four points, nine rebounds against the Bulls. But then he was 15 points and 11 rebounds against the Hawks and 13 points and four rebounds last night. And then looking at his field goal percentages by game against the Bulls, 25 against the Hawks, 53.8. That's much better against the Knicks, 55.6. That's Bobby Portis. That's even better than better. So Bobby Portis, two really good games after the Chicago game. So Mm -hmm. over the week, his averages might not look great, but, 
his last two games are trending in the right direction. Agreed. Then for my power pair, I have the birthday boy, Giannis Atetokounmpo. He is the first one. He averaged 31 points, 11 rebounds, and 8.3 assists all last week. It's just what he does, bro. <laughs> Dude, average 31 and 11. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. An eight. That's disrespectful. It is, for sure. 67.8% from the free throw or from the field. 33.3% on threes, 66.7% from the free throw line, which you can live with. Yeah. It's, you know couple percent shy of 70. If he gets 70% on free throws, I'm happy. Yeah. that you, He becomes – he's not a hack-a-shack anymore at that right. point. You're kind of taking a chance at that point that, you know, he's going to go from having a bunch of 35, 37-point games to 43 to 48-point games. Yeah. It's a situation where if right now, if he shoots 20 free throws, he's making like – 12, 13, you start mm-hmm. talking about making 13, 14, you know, sometimes 15 free throws out of 20. It, it's not benefiting you to follow Giannis. And you talk about with him all the and one opportunities that he can create. Mm-hmm. That's where he can start really doing damage by getting three-point plays. Yeah, I agree. So if he's finishing three-point plays at a higher rate, that that's where we can get into Dame's comment that he made after last night's game. But we'll see that when we get to the Knicks. Number one, and my other power pair player is Malik Beasley. Malik Threesley, as I like to call him now. Yes, sir. Uh, it's yeah, it's going to catch on. I got to make a Malik Threesley graphic. I've just been calling him that on the win graphics, but I got to make an actual Malik Threesley graphic. Dude, I have an idea. We should take his jersey and put Threesley on the back where his last name is and mm-hmm. send it to him. He might like that shit, actually. I'm down. I'll see what I can do. Cook something up. Okay. So he averaged 17.7 points, 3.3 rebounds, and two assists. He was 46.3% from the field, 46.9% from the three-point line. Dude, he just makes so many threes, bro. (laughs) Two weeks into the season, fans wanted him traded, and now he's making 3% shy of 50% of his threes. Tim loves it. Everybody loves it. We all love it. And, dude. Like, I stand by what I said. Stop. If you're an opponent, stop talking shit to him. He's going to make more threes, and then he's going to turn around and let you know. Just how demoralizing is this Bucks team, dude? Like, you got Malik Beasley hitting six threes and shaking his hips. You got campaign talking shit. You got Bobby Portis talking shit in your face. You got Giannis dunking on you, and then Damian Lillard pulling up in the fucking logo. And then just, just to make it all just demoralizing as all hell, right? You have Chris Middleton just killing you from the mid-range. There's just no winning. <laughs> there's no winning. There's there's not going to be a lot of winning. Like, we, we can start with this Bulls game, and we can get into it. Like, what, what stood out to you from this Bulls game? Well, the first thing that stood out to me was Giannis' leadership after the loss. Um, okay. I absolutely loved his interview after the loss. He, he – 
he is such a tremendous person. He's turned into just the best leader in sports. And I will die on that hill. And I know that you'll come on the hill with me, so I'm not going to be alone. But, you know, overall leadership, Giannis is amazing. Um, Giannis did his thing. Damian Lillard, for the most part, did his thing. I will say, I mean, Brooke Lopez and Malik Beasley, they had fantastic games. When you get 20 points out of Brooke Lopez and 19 points out of Beasley, you should be cooking, right? Um, it just yep. was a game where Bobby wasn't himself. Uh, Chris had a bad game. It's going to yep. happen from time to time. They're not always going to they're, – they're human. Yep. They're not going to be perfect. Like one uh, out of six games Chris Middleton is going to have like a four for 13 – yeah, it's and, gonna happen. Like I said, like one out of six games, but then the other other ones, he's gonna be like a 50, 40, 90. And the, the thing that people have to understand, and I wanted to talk about this, I wrote this down, is you know how hard it is to get your rhythm in basketball when you have to completely switch how you played. Like Chris and Giannis are so used to a certain play style, right? You know, switching coaches and all that stuff, right? And Chris Middleton was the main ball handler with Giannis, you know, in those pick and rolls. Now Chris Middleton kind of has to take a side seat, right? He's in the sidecar, uh, you know, to kind of put an image in your head. So for Chris Middleton, you know, when he's having a bad shooting game, he's usually able to make an impact in other areas because he's a good passer, right? But now the ball's not – his usage rate is not what it used to be. So the impact that he makes now when he's not scoring is not as big. And I'm not saying that, like, to, to sound bad, I'm actually like trying to you know boost them up a little bit by saying right. the other thing with the contextually that is important here is that he's also doing this on a minutes restriction. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's not like oh he's playing fewer minutes he should have more energy. It's not what it is. You talk about a guy who's you know usually between 32 and 35 minutes under Budenholzer and is now playing between 20 and 26. Yeah, last time he played 26 minutes. It's a thing where you're like you're thinking about like okay for the last two hundred or so games I've been playing you know from this to this uh, in the first quarter here to here in the second third fourth etc and now it's like okay I'm playing half the first quarter I'm playing like the last three minutes of the first half then I'm playing like the first three minutes of the second half and then I'm playing a chunk of the fourth quarter yeah that's a really hard place to try to get rhythm when you're sitting out for like nine minutes at a time. Right, that, that's... your body cools down, and then you got to get you know back warm. And for a dude that sweats as much as Chris Middleton does, like he's got to get super warm to be like constantly pouring. Right. Well, <laughs> like, that, that's that's kind of my point too. Is you know yeah. you know looking at you know his minutes spread out over over the course of the game, and it's hard to get into a rhythm. And that's why I always right. I always respect the bench players more because those guys don't get the mainstay, right? They may come right. into the game and say you're a Bobby Portis, and you, we know Bobby Portis is going to play 25 minutes, right? I'm just throwing a number out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we know Bobby Portis is going to play a lot, you know, mm-hmm. for, for this point to, to remain true. But for Bobby Portis to come off the bench cold, hasn't touched a damn ball for eight minutes, gets the ball wide open in the corner, and he misses, that's going to happen. It's the first fucking time he's touched the ball in almost a half an hour in real time. And to his credit, he's had just as many games where he comes in and he's like four for four, and that's like, oh, damn, Bobby had 13 points in the first quarter? Right, damn. right. You know, there, there is a flip side to it, right? Right. But for, I'm I'm mainly speaking to the fans that just want to be like, wow, Bobby sucks. Or when people were on Pat Connaughton, like, Pat Connaughton gets into the game 
with, you know, 11 minutes, you know, he gets in right away in the second quarter, right? He didn't play the whole first quarter. He comes in right away in the second quarter. And then for you to just go crazy if he misses one or two shots, it's like, do you understand how hard that is? Like, it's incredibly hard for bench players to just come in and just dominate. That's not a normal thing to do. Can I say this as a perspective of us? The way that we do our show. Yeah, go ahead. As we acknowledge the perspectives of both sides where we can see, like, hey, yeah, we know that he struggled to start the game. To use Bobby Portis as an example. We know that Bobby Portis struggled against the Bulls. We also know that Bobby Portis is a better player than what he put on tape that day. 100%. And we can show it by, you know, this game and this game and this game are examples of Bobby Portis coming in and starting off really strong, making three of his first four shots, whatever. Mm-hmm. For us, we are standing on the top of the fence, looking at one side of people saying Bobby Portis sucks. We should trade him for Alex Caruso. I'm looking at the other side and saying, I don't want to trade Bobby. He's great for the culture. And he's had just as many, if not more, uh, like 80 or more free field goal percentage games than he's had under 30 and seeing both sides of the fence, people calling each other stupid and saying that they don't know what they're talking about or that this side is just plain negative And that this side is sunshine and rainbows. We are in the middle of that. Yeah. Because we have the optimism of the one side and the, the, the claimed realism of, of the more negative side. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that, you know, the negative people, aren't unrealistic because they often are, but they take, it it tends to be that negative people take the, the statistical information that they have and say that the only possible takeaway you could have from that is negative. And that is bullshit. Because we just had this discussion in our Packers chat the other day about, Hey, if you take out all of Jordan loves good games, he's been really bad. Like that doesn't that doesn't make you sound smart. It just makes you sound like you're cherry picking, which is exactly what I said to the person in question. Uh huh. He's like, no, you just don't like it when somebody presents a different opinion. No, I, you're you're literally just picking the things that fit your narrative. We have to acknowledge all of the perspectives, and that's why Bobby Portis was my underrated performer. He had a bad game against the Bulls. We are not denying that. Right. As an optimistic, positive, you know, minded show. We are not denying that Bobby Portis had a bad game. That is why we are not just sunshine and rainbows. If we would have just sit here and say, Bobby Portis should be sixth man of the year, his bad games be damned, that is where you get into the the homerism and if you want to do the bullshit of condescension of sunshine and rainbows, whatever. We are realistically optimistic. That is what we are doing. That's, That's how I like to explain it, too. Um no, just quickly touch on the Bobby Portis for Caruso stuff. Logically, I understand it. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I get it. Um, I get why people want Caruso, you know, the need for him. But at the same time, you know, you know, like you said, to see both sides of everything, when you get rid of a Bobby Portis, you now lose size. You lose the uh, guy that's been here, you know, since we built this, you know, title contending roster. So a guy that's been in this winning culture for a long time. And you lose a guy who presents our toughness. He really is the face. Uh, when you think about the toughness of the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, the grit, I see Bobby Portis. I don't know who you see, but I see Bobby Portis. So I also see Bobby not only as the toughness aspect, but I see him the spark plug of the energy. 
I'm with that. If the Bucks are down eight in a game and you put Bobby Portis in and he goes and gets a rebound and gets pushed over by, you know, a big center and Bobby mm-hmm. falls down, gets fouled and grabs a rebound and he stands up and flexes and then all of a sudden people in the front row are like high-fiving him and shit and everybody's chanting Bobby, the momentum has completely flipped on you and you probably feel like you're down eight instead of up eight. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. That that's seriously that can't be underestimated. Like how yeah. important he is to getting the crowd into games. Yeah, momentum is is nothing to fuck with, dude. And Bobby Portis is the momentum. I agree yeah. with that. So that's that's where I come with that. Now on this Bulls game specifically, to get back to the game that we're talking about. Yep. Go ahead. And Caruso as another guy in question. He made a contested three over Brook Lopez. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna live with that. It happens. And I saw a lot of people saying, oh, why aren't you fouling in that situation? And I like the way that Adrian Griffin explained it. And I'm not only saying I am agreeing with Adrian Griffin because he's the coach of my favorite team, but from a strict, like strict, strictly basketball point of view, it makes sense. Yeah, it did. So Adrian Griffin said to not foul if the inbounding, the ball that goes to the inbounds player uh, catches the ball facing the basket. To not foul in that situation. If they caught with their back to the basket, then they were instructed to foul. Caruso caught the ball facing the basket. Now, why you don't want to foul that guy? If he sees a foul coming, he's going to shoot. Yep. And the risk you run there is either A, giving up three free throws to Caruso, who I think is a reliable free throw shooter. Yep. Or worse, you risk the catastrophic scenario of a guy making that three and getting fouled and winning in regulation. Yep. So at that point, you take your chances with Alex Crusoe shooting a contested three-pointer over a defensive player of the year candidate, and if he makes it, you take your chances in overtime. I, I, I don't have any problems with what Griffin said or how the game ended up being tied. I don't it have a problem. Happens. Yeah, these are NBA players. I mean, Caruso's a champion too. Exactly. Let's not forget that Caruso's he's a, a good player. If, yeah, obviously, if people want to trade for him. He's got to have some good qualities. No, he's a fantastic player. He would absolutely fit in with his Bucks roster, but not at the cost of Bobby Portis. Right. And the other, I will say the other thing too, with you know needing defense and wanting to acquire players, we're currently missing Pat Connaughton, and we're still missing Jay Crowder. Yeah. We're going to get an All NBA defender. In the middle of January. That's fair. <clears throat> My thing with this game came down to two things. One, the Bucks only got to the free throw line 13 times. Yeah. That's way too low. Fucking Damon Giannis shoot 13 a game, basically. Right. The Bucks were 9 of 13 from the free throw line, which is 69%. Only redeeming quality. I know. I, w- but, I wasn't going to say nice because we lost, but I knew that. <clears throat> the other thing is 21 turnovers is way too many. Yeah. Bucks had a good stretch of games where they had low turnover numbers. It was kind of bound to regress to the mean a little bit and mm-hmm. have a bad turnover game. Yep. I'm not saying that excuses it, but the, the law of large numbers dictates that eventually you're, you're going to snap back. So... Four missed free throws, 17 second chance points, and 25 points off turnovers. That's 46 in the fundamental barriers. That's that's high. Yeah, that's, that's very high. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's that's how you lose to a bad team. All well, right. can I make can I make you feel better? Go ahead. Since 2016-2017, the Bucks are 23 and 7 versus the Bulls. A blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, right? Right. It happens. <clears throat> okay. So let's go to the Bucks and the Hawks game from Saturday. What stood out to you from that game? <laughs> All right. So the first thing that pops out at you is uh, 59% from the field. Are you shitting me, bro? <laughs> That's ridiculous. They only made 14 three-pointers. They scored 132 points. That's <laughs> – that's so dumb, dude. This team is so dumb. Um, we had seven players in double figures. I will say the Hawks had six players in double figures. Uh, okay. Buck had 33 assists. Mm. That tells me the ball was hopping, moving, mm-hmm. and it, and they were playing hot potato with that son of a bitch, and they were shooting it and making it. Um, hot take? That number could have been higher. I agree with that. Uh, 60 points in the paint compared to Atlanta's 38 really stuck out to me. 21 fast break points. That's got to be close to a season high. The Bucks don't really dominate in fast break, which they need to let Giannis do more fast break. But I think he's tired because he's playing more minutes this year. I will say that. Um, adjustment. Giannis had a triple double and shot 70% from the field. Do you like there is two players on the planet that I can believe can do that? Maybe three. I'll maybe say Embiid. He's not as much of a passer. I'll maybe say you have to have a good he has to have a good shooting game to do it. I agree. But where Giannis gets the ball, and he scored 30 points, by the way. So I, I mm-hmm. forgot to add that in there. A 30 point triple double shooting 70% from the field. There's only two players, Giannis and Jokic. There's a reason yep. they're the top two players in the NBA. Yep. Uh Jokic's ability to manipulate the defense with his passing and get some easier shots. Yep. Where Giannis just dominates you and just continuously just penetrating the the you know, soft spot of the defense, and then everything collapses around him and he kicks it out, and that's what yep. – they dominate in different ways, but they both yep. dominate, right? Yep. Um, Damian Lillard had a nice game, 25, 6 and 9, 10 to 16 from the field. That's nice. Chris Middleton looked much more comfortable in this game. Um, he got into a rhythm, stayed in that rhythm. I'll say Malik Beasley with four three-pointers again. Fantastic. Bobby bouncing back was something I wanted to shout out. But Bench had 21 points against the Bulls. Bounced back against the Hawks and had 36 points. That's a little bit better. And remember, we are missing two of our key players, like you said, and yep. they're written down. I'm glad you brought that up before I did. But, um, yeah, just all around just a better game, and I'm glad that we beat the Hawks because I just – for some reason, I can't stand Trey Young. I don't like Trey Young. Yeah. And it's it's got more to do with his play style than anything. Yeah. I don't respect the way that Trey Young plays. He's like a baby James Harden. Yeah, I agree. He does way too much flailing around and talking to the referees, trying to trying to get them to bail him out of, you know, anything. Yeah, like bad shots he takes. He's like, that's a foul. Like, no, dude, that's just a bad shot. And and all it's all the flailing. It's the flopping, flailing. I, I just can't stand it the way that I he agree. plays. Okay. So I'm glad you brought up Chris Middleton and Bobby Portis because, as we said in our power pairs, those two bounced back from a poor game against the Bulls. Chris mm-hmm. started four for four, including two for two from the three-point line. Um, he had 10 points and one assist. He accounted for 12 of the Bucks' first 17 points. That's good. Bobby Portis started five for five from the field, one for one from the three-point line. He had 11 points. 
The Bucks scored a, 42 points in the first quarter. That's their most points in any quarter so far this season. It is. It is. We're going to talk about some uh, quarter-to-quarter scoring when we get to the next game because that shit's wild. <laughs> but, um, Giannis started the third quarter six for six. He had 13 points on the third quarter really quick. This uh, The third quarter was very back and forth. Both teams are making runs, taking the lead back and forth. There were 17 lead changes in this game. Yeah. More on that against the next game, too. Fourth quarter campaign came alive. This game went back and forth for six minutes. Atlanta was already in the bonus with five minutes and 54 seconds left. Which is, well, that's essentially half of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bucks and the Bucks and the Hawks were tied at 114. Um, <laughs> the Bucks outscored the Hawks 18 to 7 over the final five minutes and 23 seconds. Love to see it. The 129-118 lead that the Bucks held was the first double-digit lead of the game. Neither team had obviously led by more than nine points since or to that point of the game. Um, the Bucks in those final. 523 were 8 of 11 on field goals. The Hawks were 3 of 10. Damn. Um, Bucks had two blocks and a steal in those five minutes. If you look at it over the pace of a game, because it doesn't sound like much to have two blocks and a steal over five minutes, over the course of a game, that would be 16 blocks and eight steals. That would be a lot. That would be a lot. <laughs> um, only, I shouldn't say only. Another way I should say this. Between the second quarter and the third quarter, they had five turnovers in each quarter. It's ten turnovers in the, the middle quarters. Those were Atlanta's two best quarters. It's not and it's not at all a coincidence that that's the case. The, yeah. the dominance that the offense, the Bucks offense is capable of, it takes a hit when they get zero shot possessions. Yeah. I will say Atlanta is a good mid-range team with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, uh, and that's a shot that the Bucks will live with. Same with floaters. If you're shooting floaters in mid-range all game, the Bucks will live with that because it means you're not shooting at the rim and you're not shooting threes. Yeah, Trey Young had the floater game working. And, and DeJounte Murray's good at it too. Yep. Uh this buck this game put the Bucks at nine and one at home. Obviously, we know with the Knicks, they're now ten and one at home this season. Which for all of the complaining that Bucks fans have done, we are literally second in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah. And by the, half the a one... game. Half a game. Yeah, the one home loss was to the Hawks earlier in the year. Right. So three missed free throws, 18 points off turnovers is still a little high. Like I said, those second and third quarters kind of contributed to that. 12, yeah. 12 second chance points. Clint Capella is a good rebounder. Adds up to 33, which over the course of a game isn't bad. I'll, yeah. I'll live with it. So what stood out to you last night against the Knicks? Well, who the hell is Julius Randle? And why did he decide to play good? Okay. Uh, he was... He's been bad against the Bucks for like seven straight matchups. He was bound to have one good game. Yeah. He, he started like what? What did he start? Nine of nine, 10 of 10? I don't remember if he got it to 10, but I know it was nine of nine. Uh, it was nine of nine because he missed yeah. his first shot in the second half that made him nine of okay. 10. And then Lisa Byington um, and Marcus Johnson were giving him shit saying that he's trash. <laughs> I was listening to the TNT version. Um, Josh Giannis 35, 8 and 10. I mean, Christ almighty. I, I'm not shocked anymore. That guy, he just does that. Um, to, to Shaq's point, when he talks about superstars and he talks about the tiers of superstars, the guys that you know you're going to get and they give you that every single game, they give you that effort, 
Giannis is in that tier. It's Giannis and Jokic. They're alone. It's, yeah. That's yeah, it. Those two, and that's a tier. And, yeah. And, and that's not like saying that there's not other superstars because Steph Curry is a superstar. LeBron James Damian is, Lillard is a superstar. superstar. Yeah. Damian Lillard is a superstar, but like they're in the tier below. And that's not disrespectful. I don't know right. why people get Kevin like Durant is in that. that tier. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why people get so upset when I when I say stuff like that, but it's true. Nobody is on the level of Giannis and Jokic. Giannis and Jokic. I almost fucking they combine their names name. together. Um, the thing about it is, and like, I'll say this: I don't. I never thought I'd come to this point, but you can interchange them if I wanted to. Honestly, yeah, that's fine. I'm not mad at it. Jokic's um, passing versus Giannis's defense is essentially the trade-off. Yeah, it is. So I mean, if you like. You know, dunks and mean mugs and blocks and all that cool stuff that shows the highlights. You like Giannis a little bit more. That's that's fine because he's going to give yep. you five, eight, and ten on fifteen or twenty-two. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And if you like guys that are fundamentally sound, they can shoot the three-pointer. They have crazy footwork in the post, and their basketball IQ is like literally its own chart. Okay, that's fine. You can love Jokic because I love yep. Jokic too. He's going to give do- up some points though. It, it's true, but I just don't like, and I'm not trying to get off topic too much here, but like the thing that I've, I've talked about a lot is I hate that we have to bring people down to bring other people up. I don't like any of that. We don't have to bring yeah. down and talk shit about him to right. talk about how good Jokic is. You can just right. talk about how good Jokic is and talk about how good Giannis is. And right. then they're just both good. That's fine. We could, yep. we could say that. Um, so 35, said, bro, how is Joker so damn good? And Jake just said it. It's fundamentals and basketball IQ. Yeah, uh, it, it it doesn't make sense the way that he runs. I mean, it's it's I and I agree with Josh's other comment here. New York is fun to watch. They are no, they you are, can't say good things about other teams. What are you doing here? They are a fun team to watch. I I think that the I think the East is not as top heavy as people think. I don't think that New York can like win the title. But I do think that they could be a serious contender and they could scare the shit out of Boston or Milwaukee. They're, they're a second-round potential team. I agree with that. He's so boring to watch, in my opinion, but it's so damn good. That's because you're not a true basketball head, man. I'm sorry to tell you that. But, like, people that, like, love basketball, they enjoy watching Jokic because mm-hmm. he'll make that pass that not everybody will make. And you'll be like, damn, that was a nice pass, bro. Like, it could be a bounce pass. It could be a no look to a guy cutting when he's in high post, and you're just like, that was a nice pass, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you've ever been on a court, like, you see some shit like that. Like, that's why I always tell my, my son, I'm like, Aiden, you got to understand how hard some of this stuff is, like, in football, basketball, baseball, any of it, right? And then to see them do it, you know, as a guy that, like, bet on those fields, it's like, you appreciate that shit more. The thing with with basketball too to be to be able to slow the game down like that, you have to be able to see the dominoes of how a play is going to unfold. Yeah. So that when you you know you make your first move and then you react to the defenders and where everybody else is going to yep. know that like, okay, if I do this, these are the three things that can happen, and yep. then there's three things for each of those three things. So you're looking at like nine different outcomes of a possession, yeah. and to have just seconds in between from where you go from one to three options and the first of the three happens. And then each of those three presents its own three more options after what happens from the first one, you know, to have the the split second decision-making to 
to then make the next play all within a 24-second shot clock. Yeah, and <laughs> Josh said he tricks my mind into thinking my TV's in slow motion. He does move, move like that. that slow and still be able to manipulate defenders like that is just something I never thought was. That's what I'm bad. saying with the game slowing down. Yeah, like it, he's, that's just... he's got it on a level where his body's moving slow, but his mind is just because yeah, like he, he knows. You know. He knows what you're going to do before you even do it, which is fucking ridiculous, Mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's get back to this Bucks and Knicks game. Um, Damian Lillard was tremendous. I thought Chris Middleton was really, really good last night, uh, put in some really good minutes for us. Um, The one highlight from the – there was two highlights from the game that involved Chris. One was Giannis missing a free throw, Brooke tipping it back to Giannis, who then gives it to Chris at the top of the key and cashes a three-pointer. I was like, hell yeah. That was that was a straight cash. That hit no that was, rim. Yeah, it was. And then the other one, and this is probably my favorite play from the game, where I told you Chris was the conductor, Giannis was the train. You get off the fucking tracks when the train's coming through. Chris Middleton is going to get the ball out of bounds. The ref's, like, holding the ball for, like, 15 minutes, it feels like. Chris is like, you over there, you over there, you over there. You set a screen right there. I'm going to throw it in the air, and this giant guy is going to catch it and dunk it. And that's literally what happened. For I said to get wide open like that is yeah. fucking ridiculous. That's I said ridiculous. that Giannis and Chris have one brain. That was yeah. my response to that play. They have one brain. I agree with that 100%. But that, and you see when with plays like that, right? Where he's like, you go here, you go here, you set a screen here, they're here, he's going to end up wide open. I'm going to throw it, I'm going to get an assist. Everybody's going to go crazy. You see why Giannis trusts Chris so much. Yeah. So we were just talking about Jokic for five minutes about his basketball IQ. Yep. That's something that hasn't getting brought up a lot with Chris either. That's fair. That's 100% fair. Um, he 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 flexed the basketball IQ on that out of bounds for sure. But um, other than that, I mean, the bench was, a, again, better. They scored 42 points this game, 16 of 25 from the field, 8 of 13 from three. So absolutely a nice boost from the bench. But yeah. what do you got, buddy? So I'm going to start with Josh's comment. Josh said A.J. Green ball, and he started three for three from the three-point line all in the first quarter. That was yeah. – very needed. And I will say, I got a little nervous. Giannis rolled his ankle in the first quarter, but stayed in the game. He was fine. He started four for four in the first quarter. He scored 10 of the first 13 points by the Bucs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first quarter went back and forth. So, you know how I said in the Hawks game there were 17 lead changes in that game? How many How many lead changes do you think there was in the first quarter against the, the Bucs? In the next it was so back and forth. I mean, the whole game was back and forth, really, until the Bucs just decided to be like, yeah, that's enough of that. I stopped um, counting after the first quarter because it was stupid. I'm gonna I'm gonna say 17 in the first quarter as well. Yeah, 17 lead changes in one yep. quarter. Yep, that's a lot. That's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I had to scroll back through the play by play to make sure I counted that right. I'm like, there's no fucking way there were 17 lead changes in one quarter. <laughs> that's the definition of a back and forth game. It's like uh, yeah. we say basketball is a game of runs. It's like, well, just crumple that sheet of paper up and throw it out for this game. Basketball is no longer a game of runs. Uh, no runs. Two a run. Two a run. Two a run. Two a run. Three a run. Three second run. quarter. Nobody got up more than six points. Yeah. New York had a couple turnovers that let the Bucks get their lead to eight. And like I said, Julius Randle was due to have at least one good game against the Bucks in his career. That's fair. <laughs> Stretch it out to career because it's been a while. <laughs> Damian Lillard scored the last thirteen points of the first half for the Bucks. Um, Josh said, Hey, you can go 30 and oh, and still take an L. I mean, fine with that. 
that ah, uh, who did that happen to the the Warriors? That was the Warriors. That's right. I was trying to think about it. Um, they were twenty-seven and all, not thirty and all. No, he's talking about the a team had a thirty to nothing run. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, it was that's the Mavericks. Right. That's who it was. It was the Mavericks. That's right. That's right. Um, third quarter. This is where I really just started looking at it. I'm like, there are so many ways that the Bucks can score that it's just going to be tough for opponents to keep up. And we've we've talked about this already a handful of times. The Bucks' identity has changed. The Bucks are not a good defensive, really good offensive team. They're, that's not their thing anymore. The Bucks are now an eh, defensive team and an absolute fucking juggernaut offensively. Yeah. That is what the Bucks are now. Yeah. And, Jake, I will save the Damian Lillard quote for you because you were saying it, so I will save that for you. But the, the Bucks can score in so many ways, it is stupid. The Bucks outscored the Knicks 37-24 to 24 in the third quarter. Now, the Bucks also scored 34 in the fourth quarter. The Bucks scoring by quarter went 37, 38, 37, 34. Stupid. So dumb. In and it's in the best possible way. Josh said Phoenix North is the Bucks. Shit, the We're Bucks are Phoenix. We, dude, Phoenix would be lucky to have the scoring we have. They have two guys who do the same exact thing. The right. Bucks have a way wider variety of ways to beat you. Oh my dude. The Knicks started a fourth quarter on a 7-0 run, had the lead down to single digits, and the Bucks took a timeout, came out, scored five straight. And then the Bucks just kept on hitting threes and hitting more threes. And then they hit some more threes. And then they hit more threes. Yeah. And they were so close to breaking an NBA record. So close. But still, they did do this though. This was the first time that the Knicks had given up 37 points in each of the first three quarters since Wilt Chamberlain put 100 on them. <laughs> That's so funny, dude. That's so funny. <laughs> and they followed it up by putting up 34 in the fourth quarter. <laughs> this team scored 142 points after they took their foot off the gas for two and a half minutes. Dude. So Tyler and I watched the game together. We were virtually watching the game together, and we were kind of just bouncing ideas off each other, what we're seeing, and we're flexing our basketball IQ. I honestly wish you guys could see that, man, because we were dropping bombs last night. We're talking about it. We're talking about doing something like that. Um, yeah, I'm planting the seed, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I said, man, I think the Bucks could have scored 160. I really, really felt that, dude. I was like, they missed, they missed this opportunity. They missed this opportunity. They cleaned this up. Like, this team, I firmly believe, will have a game where they score 160 in regulation, and we're all just going to be sitting there like, what the hell? And you know what? They might give up 120 in that game. They might give yes. up 130. I don't give a shit. We're going to win by 30 because we're going to score 160. That's what I'm saying. Like, the Bucks aren't a team that's going to win 120 to 110 anymore. The Bucks are a team that's going to win 140 to 120. Bro. And... I'm going to bring up another Shaq point before I talk about this this, this Damian Lillard tweet. They were talking about the Bucks defense, and they and Ernie asked the the panel, you know, the the Jed, you know, Chuck, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Great, great show. Uh, well, shit, that game a few years back, they had a hundred in the first half. 
don't remember that. I I think I remember a couple. Um, where they had like eighty something. Yeah, I remember like eighty. 80 I think they had like an eighty-two last year or something yeah. like that. Um, I'll say this. Uh, Shaq said, "Is anybody playing defense? Because the the best defense in the league, I believe they said, was one fifteen. They averaged giving up one fifteen. So Shaq said, nobody's playing defense." So the thing that you can do is you can add more offense. And what did mm-hmm. Milwaukee choose to do this last offseason? They chose to get more offense. Yep. What they did they struggle with in the playoffs the last two years? Yeah. And, again, I'm not pointing anybody out. I'm just saying, if you watched – I watched a little bit of that Indiana and Celtics game. The Celtics half-court offense looks fucking broken right now. Mm-hmm. It really does. The Bucks half court offense, it was, it was a struggle the first like eight games I'd say, but now that Lillard and and Giannis and, and Chris are starting to you know really relish in their roles on this team, this half court offense is going to be a monster, dude. It's yeah. going to be a fucking monster. So the Damian Lillard quote, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that this was one of those 160 point games. He really he thought that they could have scored 160, dude. And that just made me feel so smart because I was like, bro, I, I felt it. That was a 160-point night, dude. It's going to happen, and we are so freaking here for it, dude. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so the Bucks missed six free throws. They gave up 17 points off turnovers. is a little high still. 19-second yeah. chance points. When it comes to a game like this, Mitchell Robinson's a he's a he's a dude. Yeah. He's a really good rebounder. Really yeah. solid player, actually. I actually yeah. really like Mitchell Robinson. So do I. Um, so 42 fundamental fair points is a little high. Could have been worse. Um, but again, this... <laughs> if Marjan Bochamp is hitting double step-back threes on you, you're so right. fucked. There's literally nothing right. you can do to stop the Bucks. He's like <laughs> our ninth option. Bruh. He, at times... When when Pat and and freaking Crowder are back, he's the eleventh, bro. <laughs> and we talked about it. AJ Green started three for three on threes this game. Dude, it's we're so good on offense, dude. It's ridiculous. It's dude. It's stupid good. Yeah, it's we're just yikes. And we're talking about having a big four. Basically, we have a big four and a bunch of dudes that can shoot. You have a big four and you have Malik Beasley that'll literally just drop 20 on you on a Tuesday night, and then he's going to shake his hips, and you're just going to be like, that's basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Ask the Raptors. It's like, that dude That dude took 11 threes and made eight of them. That's so dumb. <laughs> Him and Dame were cooking, bro. <laughs> dude, just listen. We're going to have games where the Bucks struggle to score. We're acknowledging all the possibilities. But just come with me to a world where the Bucks are healthy. We talked about before Jay Crowder's injury, he was one of their best three-point shooters. He was. We've talked about campaign being able to sneak up on you, hit some shots, hit some threes, and then it's like, damn, campaign had 15 points. If all of these things happen in one game, somebody in the NBA is getting a nuke dropped on their team. Yeah. Where like 160 could be light work if everybody hits at the same time. God, Which, again, it's going to be a complete outlier of a game. But if it happens once, the Bucks could put up a stupid all-star game number of points. Dude, 
let it be Boston. They deserve it so badly. They deserve Could it so badly. Could you imagine if they did that in Boston? Oh, my God. Just put up like 175 points because nobody misses a shot. Dude. The only reason I say that is because Boston fans are just literally just terrible, horrible people walking around on this planet, and they act like they don't do anything wrong. And they fucking suck. Them and Philly, just get them the hell out of here. I want that to happen so badly against Boston. Yeah, and it's I will say it's not all of them. Like, we obviously know That's that fair. there are some good Boston fans and some good Philly fans. Yes. But the the pie chart of shitty fans is a lot larger in That's- Boston and Philly. Thank you for saving me. <laughs> yeah, I knew what you were getting at, and, and that's why we're a team. But yeah, it's still seeing some of the things that they did after losing one game. It's dude in November, dude. That's ridiculous. Uh, I I'm not even gonna like. I don't even understand acting like that if you lose in the playoffs and your season's over. Like that, uh, there's just no room for any of that. Like ever, nope. dude. There's no room for that, dude. The, the the player in question could leave your team with his middle finger up and curse your entire organization, and that's still an overreaction. I agree. I 100% agree. Okay. So, looking at the Bucks' upcoming schedule, they play tomorrow yep. against the Indiana Pacers. Now, Josh said this about the Knicks, that the Knicks are a fun team to watch. Yeah. The Indiana Pacers are a fun team to watch. So, fuck yeah. Uh, you talk about a team that can score a lot. The Pacers can. It's it, it's a different way than the Bucks can score a lot. Yeah. Because the way that the Pacers do it, they have one guy that runs the show. Yep. Tyrese Halliburton runs the show. Yep. And he's he is the conductor, and everybody is riding his train. Yep. But their team is fast. Yeah, they are. They are constantly just pedal to the floor with their offense. So it's it's not even, um, it's not even that they're like the Bucks and they just have so many guys that can do it. Mm-hmm. It's that they all get down the floor and then they have one guy who will find the open guy every time. Yeah, Tyrese Halliburton is. His passing, he's I've, – I've seen some people kind of compare him to him, but I'm going to just fully make the comparison. He's like modern-day Steve Nash. Dude, except he could fucking finish at the rim better than Nash. I agree with that. That's that, I mean, he, that's, that's where he's at. Yeah. That guy was a two-time MVP, so let's not scoff at Steve Nash. That guy can yeah. ball. I mean, you're talking about a dude who's going to average 20 and 10 and probably two turnovers a game. He's going to shoot 40% from three, 50 from the field, and probably 85, 90 from the free throw line. That's yeah, pretty fucking good. Worth the money, I'd say. Yeah. And still, one of the best win-win trades ever. Yeah. Halliburton for some bonus. That's, that worked out so well for both sides. Both teams got what they needed. The The Kings didn't need two point guards, right? Right. So, I mean, yeah, that was and a great trade. And the Pacers didn't need two centers. Yeah. That's that's a good trade for both sides. I agree with that. Yeah. It's That's a rare Double W, man. Yep. So the Bucks play the Pacers tomorrow. Yep. Uh, if they win, they will play on Saturday. If they win, expect an announcement from Jake and I. It's nothing huge or crazy, but just something that's going to be part of Saturday. It'll be fun. Uh, and then they play Monday against the Bulls, so a little revenge. 
I'm going to say 3-0. I want to see the Bucks win this tournament. Yeah. So, Pacers, winner of the Lakers and Pelicans. Hope it's the Lakers. That'd be funny. Um, then the Bulls. I'm going to go 3-0. I'm going to go Giannis. First ever in-season tournament MVP. And I'm going to predict Damon Giannis make that, that top five lineup where they get the, the extra little trophy for making that lineup. Mm. Uh, so we're going to win. I want to see them win this tournament too, man. Um, I know that some people don't like it. Some people love it. There's been moments where I love it, honestly, because mm -hmm. how many people do you talk to where, when you ask them questions, like the general fan, when you ask them about the NBA and you're like, do you like the NBA? And they're like, I don't take it seriously until after Christmas. And that is exactly what Adam Silver hated hearing. So to see the kind, of, the, the kind of playoff atmosphere and, like, everybody was kind of making jokes about the jerseys and the courts and shit like that. And I get it. Some of the courts are hard to look at. Some of the jerseys are hard to look at. Yeah, but exactly, yeah. the competition is what I loved. Here's the that, thing. That was fantastic. Yeah, and here's the thing. You don't even have to just have the conversation of the competition. The strict factor is more people are talking about it. Yeah. People are is. just talking about it. That's it's strictly true. just an interesting thing to talk about. Yep, that's true. I do think, and I've heard this a couple of times, I do think that they have to get rid of like the point differential thing because yeah. the Celtics, you know, that was kind of a joke when they were playing the Bulls and they were fucking up by like 30. Like that's, come on, that's, yeah, that's, that's, Bush, that's Bush League in my opinion. The, the NBA is better than that. They're above that. They got to find out, find different tiebreakers. But yeah. um, other than that, I have zero complaints. Yeah, and like I said, it's just something that gets you talking about it more. And yeah. it's one of those things where, like, some of the players, you know, you can say, you know, the players shouldn't care about it because it's not the real championship. Bottom line, it's another trophy. Yeah. And especially this one with it being the first one, like, we, like, I, I would want the players, as if I was one of the players, to be like, I want to be the first ever NBA Cup champion. Yeah. Let's go get the first one, man. Let's get the first one ever. Yeah. And, and the thing that I keep coming back to is, you know, you can look at it and say, okay, the champions get an extra 500 grand. What's what's half a million dollars to Giannis who's going to be making 186 over the next three? True. What is it to AJ Green who's making $2 million this year? It's a lot. That's that a, a quarter lot. of his salary. Yeah, that's a lot. What is it to Andre Jackson Jr., who's making like $1.2 million this year? That's a lot of money, man. That's half of his salary that he gets to make in a year off of four games. Yeah. Yeah, Josh said that money for them is life-changing. What is it to a guy like Chris Livingston, who's on a two-way contract, Yeah. Who, who may not have as bright of an NBA future as some of the other guys on the team? Yeah, so that five hundred thousand, dude, that could be that really could be life changing for him, man. So exactly, and that's 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 peace of mind for the guys on the end of the bench, and or for a guy like Robin Lopez, who's not going to play a lot, yeah. who's on a veteran minimum contract, but is he's he brings good locker room presence, he brings fun to the pregames and things like that. That's again, that's like half of his contract for the season. Yeah, and like like think about like the. You know, the camaraderie that this builds with this team. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you imagine, like, there's two sets of brothers on this team, right? The Ale Cumbros, obviously. Yep. Um, and then the, the Lopez is obviously, like, imagine, like, winning, like, a title. Like, I know it's not, like, the NBA title, but the NBA Cup, right? The first one ever. And you can always have that, that I, you won that with your brother. Like, that's yeah. 
That's special, man. Any way you cut it. Josh said Dame said he wants to win it for the staff because the staff gets money too. Yeah, I love it, man. Let, let's let's go get this motherfucker, man. Let, let's go yeah. win this. And again, like it's winning it for the guys in the end of the bench who, again, they don't play as much, but they're going to be doing the scouting team, things like that. Yeah. You talk about it, you know, guys got to simulate being the other team so that the guys who are going to be playing the lion's share of minutes can be prepared for some of the things they're going to see. Right. Those are those are the things that we don't see because they they don't film practices. Right. Dude, we don't get to see that, that. How much does that make you love Dame after you said that, by the way? Uh, oh, yeah. Love it. How lucky are we to have two of the greatest human beings in the league on our team that yeah, can also just it. drop 50 whenever the hell they want? Yeah. <laughs> love it, dude. We're so blessed. We are blessed, yeah. Wisconsin sports fans. We are blessed. I want you to remember that even when we lose, look at the athletes and the teams that we are surrounded by. Packers are up and coming. The Bucks are dominant. Brewers are doing work. Brewers are interesting. I'll say interesting. that. Interesting, yeah. Uh, there, there. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. Uh, the the Wisconsin football team. They're about to do some work. It's going to be a really interesting bowl game to see who plays mm-hmm. and who doesn't for LSU and Wisconsin. But either way, you want to go out there and win. Uh, they they're going to be hosting a nice quarterback recruit uh, this next weekend. So that'll be. Be something to look out for. Uh, James White, you know, former Badger grade, is doing some work. Amari uh, Snowden's working hard to get guys here. Amari Snowden, dude, the freaking best player recruiter of all time. Um, Maybe Matoyer is up there, though. Uh, he's not He's not on the team yet. That's why I didn't say him. Um, um, but I'll say, you know, the Badger basketball team, they're, they're six straight W. So, I mean, just always remember that you could be grateful even when we lose because we have some great people that are, live in this yep. state. Josh said he thinks the final four is going to get pretty gritty. We're going to find out tomorrow. The Bucks and Pacers, that's going to be such a good basketball game. Like, I seriously, what whatever happens. Yeah, he said the Timber Rathers got show. Yeah. Huh. So did the Madison Mallards. Yeah. Um, but seriously, regardless of regardless of the outcome of tomorrow's game, the Bucks and Pacers tomorrow is going to be a fantastic basketball game. I think Pelicans-Lakers are going to be good, too. The Pelicans are fun to watch, too. They're Brandon Ingram can give you buckets, bro. Josh is the post and crying. And you know what? I still – I don't understand. This is just so totally off topic. I don't understand why Zion walks like that, dude. It just – none of it makes sense. But then all of a sudden he just runs like 20 miles an hour and jumps like 700 feet in the air, weighing 450 pounds, and you're like, none of this should be happening. Yep. <laughs> It's one of those things where, like you could put Zion next to like campaign and be like these two play the same sport. Hey, that's so weird, dude. So weird. Or Why? put Zion next to like AJ Green. <laughs> like right. these two play the same sport. They're literally the same height. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. All right. Well, couple basketball games between now and next Wednesday again. So we will be back for that. Uh, we are going to have Javik Blake back soon to talk about the other guys that could be making the, the pro roster for the Brewers in spring training. Yep. But other than that, we're going to have some other stuff coming up. Uh, again, if the if the Bucks win tomorrow, uh, stay tuned for an announcement. But Josh said Zion and Joker, exactly. Um, other than that, go Bucks, go Badgers, and we'll be back Friday night to talk about the Packers. So we got that going too. Yes, sir. See you Friday night. Later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.